Hey, and welcome to Life on Point. My name is Darren Deloach. I'm one of the pastors here at Connection Point Church. And with me, as always, is lead pastor Chris Thought. Uh, do us a favor. I don't, wherever you're watching this or listening to this podcast, whether it's on Spotify, on YouTube, or, or uh, any of the other uh, various podcast providers, do us a humongous favor like, follow, comment if you can. Uh, leave a five-star review. If you enjoy this content, we would appreciate it greatly because it would help us get this out in front of as many pe- people as possible. And today, we're going to talk about a subject matter that's interesting, uh, maybe not one you thought of, but something that whether we, wherever you are in your walk, you could be a pastor, you could be a a, a new Christian who's been doing this just for a little while, or you could be a long guy in it or or person in it for a really long time. At some point or the other, you're going to come to deal with this idea of complacency in your faith. Sure. Um, So we're dealing with complacency today Mm -hmm. and that can come in a lot of forms. Complacency can, it can look like burnout for somebody Mm -hmm. who's like, who's, who works, works in this field, right. Who's, who is called to ministry, but you can have burnout as a volunteer because sometimes guys like us cannot realize we're pushing you too far and, 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 and you're, and you're volunteering every Sunday, every Wednesday, every day for everything that shows up and you begin to get burnt out. And, and during that burnout, this thing called complacency sets in where you just start kind of going through the motions. So what we hope to do today is to look at a very practical way to help people who maybe look at the warning signs that's coming up that maybe right. you're on the edge or approaching uh, complacency or burnout and maybe, or even if, if it's not even anywhere in your in your scope right now, but to keep you from ever getting there, and maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're in the middle of a burnout or you're, you're being very complacent about your faith and you would like to try to climb out of that. We hope to provide you with some practical steps right. on how to do right. that as well. So yeah. with that, what you got? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's something that everyone needs to know. No matter how spiritual you are, no matter how devoted you are to Christ, yep. All of us at times get in valleys. We get in low places, and uh, we do that physically, emotionally, but we also can do that spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we'll get there and not even recognize we're there, That's right? Um, just because we're so distracted. And we're going to talk about a few of those things today. So just understand this this happens to all of us, and what we're going to do today is go to the Scriptures because what I have found uh, is that the scriptures have some very good principles for us to go to. And I've always found that when I go back to these scriptures, these principles, it helps bring me out of mm-hmm. whatever rut I may be in spiritually at that moment and and let that fire rekindle. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes you just realize... Man, I'm not as the honeymoon's over. I don't mm-hmm. feel as passionate as I once did. What's going on? And uh, sometimes it could be something pretty large. And a lot of times it's just, man, life's been going on. And we just need to stop and pull back. And some simple principles we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. today just to get going again. So I'm excited about this topic because it's going to help all of us. I think it helps all of us. I know for me personally, like every once in a while you have to check. The Bible talks about checking yourself. Absolutely. And uh, and so how can we check ourselves when it comes to complacency? I know one of the things that uh, I noticed, like um, we have baptisms here and they're a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. And, or when somebody who uh, comes to the, comes to the Lord, you know, you see some transformational thing, right. like if there ever comes that moment where you inside of you, you go, 
it doesn't stir you. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I'm not saying it had to be all emotional, but yeah. if it doesn't somehow like trigger a feeling inside of you, yeah. like, man, that's awesome. Right. Or if you, whenever you lose the ability to celebrate with others, that's a good yeah. little on, if we have a, you know, on your console of your car, right. you know, your tank may be getting a little bit low that you can't celebrate with others that man, it's like baptism Sunday, not exactly some like, hurrah thing for you and right. like you don't re- relate back to where you used to be mm-hmm. and so you're probably getting a little bit complacent or yeah. burnt out and i think that's a good point i think as we get ready to talk about these principles it's important for you to always keep an examination on, on your own heart your mm-hmm. own life paul talked about that right and to the corinthians as he's talking about communion and the lord's supper and he's saying we need to all examine ourselves uh, as to where we're at in the faith I think it's important for us to learn what those red flags are for ourselves and just kind of keep a watch on it. Like, okay, the worship didn't move me today. Why was it? Well, or or we're focusing on the style of music versus the object of our worship. Or, you know, we read the Bible and it's just like nothing's really grabbing us right now. Well, the word didn't change. No. What is it about my perspective? Where am I at emotionally, spiritually, physically right now? Just recognizing that, okay, I need to take a good look at myself right now. Uh, I think that's important. That, that helps get us started back down the right path, watching for those warning signs, like you said. Exactly. Where does, where does church value in your life right now? I mean, it, yeah. it can move down. It can move down for natural reasons. Like we get really busy. Vacation time kicks in. Uh, kids' schedules kick in. Your work schedule kicks in if you're somebody who works on Sundays. And it can become really easy to get mm-hmm. complacent yeah, sure. and not value like <laughs> worship or not just worship as in, in the music, but as it's just participating in what we call, in our case, Sunday mornings or whenever you worship and, 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 and sitting under a message. You begin to go, you begin to like to harbor these kind of ideas like, you know, I can just do this at home. I right. can watch yeah. online, yeah. which I'm an online pastor, so I'm all about <laughs> online, but we need There's to also still something about get plugged in person, into right? the, to the body of Christ. Yeah, and, absolutely. And it can really happen to you quick. Well, we get into routines, right? Right. Because we're creatures of habit, and it's so easy to get into a routine. And when you get into a routine, yeah, you start you, you start waning off paths mm-hmm. sometimes and not even recognizing, or you get comfortable. And I think there's a struggle for all of us here. I think even the Apostle Paul talked about this struggle a little bit. I'm going to give you two passages. Okay. And, let's, and let's look here at what, I mean, you can see an issue here in what Paul said in the same letter um, to the church in Philippi. Okay. Here's what he says in chapter 4. Listen to these words, verse 11 through 13. He says, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with a little. I know how to make do with a lot. And in any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, in abundance or in need, I'm able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? I mean, that's the favorite verse everybody wants to quote. But it's actually in this context of being able to find contentment wherever you are. Contentment is beautiful. Contentment is powerful. We need to learn contentment. Then when you back up one chapter to chapter 3, it almost, if you just quickly read it, almost sounds like a contradiction, but we know it's not. But we can see the struggle here. In chapter 3, verse 12 through 14, he says, Not that I've already reached the go, 
and am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Mm. Now, of course, we got to keep that in context. Yep. One, he's talking about contentment. The other, he's talking about striving after the Lord. But I think you can look at these two passages and you see where a lot of us get. We're like, okay, I want to be content in my faith. I want to grow. I want to be comfortable. I want to be content wherever I'm at. At the same time, we have to continually be pushing forward and pursuing after God. Mm, yep. And uh, sometimes if we go to either extreme, we get overly content without the pursuit we start becoming apathetic or complacent. If we are all about the pursuit and never find contentment, yeah. then we run ourselves into the ground, yeah. wear ourselves out, and burn out in the other side, right? And so how do we find that middle ground? And especially if we see ourselves leaning more toward the becoming complacent, how do we get back that emphasis to pursue? It's interesting, uh, before we go too much farther, uh, I'm gonna have Zach. He's our producer over there. He's gonna drop in the, in down in the comments or in the body of this of this wherever you're watching this or listening to this a link to our podcast that we already did on. We can do all things through Christ. So I'm flipping four thirteen. It's a good one. So go back and listen to it. <laughs> but on your note, it's interesting that Paul's bringing this out to this particular church or oh, group of people. Sure. Because these people were weren't in any major era like he, he was dealing with, with with the Romans or the Corinthians or, mm-hmm. or the other churches. He was actually had been, uh, you know, he, where he was admonishing and correcting with the uh, other ones, his letters, most of his other letters. With this one, he was pretty celebratory, but he wanted to have a, he was giving them a warning. Right. In all right, these, right. this and during this high time, these busy times yeah. when God is doing great things, look out. Yeah. There's this thing around the corner called complacency and burnout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of all the churches that Paul bragged on, yeah. the church at Philippi, man, was like the gold star review, right? Right. But even there, he's reminding them, hey, watch out for complacency. So that's why this is so important for all of us. Exactly. And so if you had to uh, ask yourself these questions, uh, what questions would you ask when you begin to feel uh, complacency in your walk with God? Okay, so let's just dive in super deep right up front. Uh-oh. Let's get the big one out of the way. <laughs> All right, yep. because it's, sometimes we start getting complacent, and it's it's going to be some minor things. We'll talk about yep. that in a moment. But I think where we first start when we examine ourselves, the first place we have to ask ourselves is this question: Is there any unconfessed sin in my life right now? If I'm starting to feel complacent in my faith, I'm not feeling the passion, the drive I once did. For the Lord, I'm having a hard time getting into the scriptures. I'm having a hard time uh, praying or mm. worshiping the Lord. I need to ask myself, okay, is there any sin that I'm habitually partaking in, mm. or that I've not confessed? And I, I believe we should start there. Not that every time we get complacent, it's because of a sin problem. I don't no. want I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. But I do believe we need to start there. Here's why. Isaiah tells us, 59.2, that God's ear is not short to hear. His arm is not too short to reach. But when we sin and we have unconfessed sin, he says, but our sins separate us from God. Now, 
That's not talking about a loss of salvation there, but it mm-hmm. is talking about a brokenness in the fellowship. Um, when we have unconfessed sin or we're involved in habitual sin that we know that the Holy Spirit's made aware, hey, that's wrong, and we're like, yeah, but I'm going to do it anyway, yep. we, we are distancing ourselves from feeling the presence of the Lord because of known sin. And, and to add on to that a little bit, um, habitual or known sin doesn't have to be a gross in its concept. No, so it no. doesn't have to be porn. It doesn't have to mean adultery. It can literally mean something is like somebody offended you mm-hmm. and you become bitter mm-hmm. in your heart. And it's just, it just hanging out there and yeah. you can't release it and you haven't released it or you refuse to mm-hmm. release it. And so that could be an habitual sin sure. that it can turn your whole, like your whole perception of, of church, God, the people of God and the whole thing. Yeah. It can really turn it sideways yeah. on you. And it can get ugly. How easy is it for us to grade our sin? Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, okay, well, that's a pretty bad sin because everybody thinks it's bad. So that's that's all in this category. But, you know, this one is just, you know, this this one's not too bad, right? I mean, everybody does this <laughs> everybody one, right? Does I mean, everybody gets angry in, in traffic. Everybody you know, yep. drives. Everybody cheats a little bit here or whatever. Uh, God doesn't grade on the curve, no. you know, and, and sin separates us from God. And really when you say, okay, well, why is that? I believe Ephesians 4.30 is the answer. Mm-hmm. Because you got to remember this. If you're a Christian, if you've invited Jesus Christ to come into your heart, God has forgiven you. He has placed the righteousness of Jesus upon you. Your sins have been passed on to him at the cross, already paid for in the past. Um, and you, Paul says, you are now the dwelling place for the very Holy Spirit of God. When we have unconfessed or habitual sin, now we all fall and make mistakes, yeah. but once you know there's a sin in your life, then you're required to do something about it, right? When we have unconfessed or habitual sin in our lives and we let it continue going, listen, Ephesians 4.30 says this. It teaches that we grieve the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit of God moves into you at your conversion and when you then invite sin in there and you don't confess it to let your temple, your house stay clean, then you got the Holy Spirit inside you. Mm-hmm. And you're making him take up residence with sin. The Bible says we grieve the Holy Spirit. So that's where I like to start. That's a good place. But also understanding every time you feel complacent doesn't mean you've got sin in your life. You no. just need to look at yourself and ask that question. And if there is, repent. First exactly. John one nine, yep. if we confess our sin, Jesus will cleanse us and forgive us right then and there. I mean, it's that quick. The grace of God will cleanse it. So we we do the inspection. We look at ourselves, and we we don't feel like we we're missing the mark in any gross way, or there's some deliberate sin or just harbored sin that we're mm-hmm. not dealing with on whatever level that mm-hmm. is. Um, and what would be uh, another thing that could get us off? All right, the mark? so now we get to get a little bit lighter, so you can <laughs> breathe with me. All right. Second question, a whole lot lighter than the first one. Uh, ask yourself this question: Am I making margin in my day to be with God? Yeah. What's my schedule look like? What's my? How am I dealing with my timetable? Mm. I want to say for many, many, many believers especially here in America, this is where yeah. uh, we get off track and complacency comes in. It's not our lack of love for the Lord. It's not unconfessed habitual sin in our lives. I think for many of us, 
is we allow our schedules to get so crammed pack that the one thing we push out of our schedule is time alone with God. Mm. We know it's important, but man, I, I got people waiting on me. I got appointments. I got bills to pay. My kids have got to be at the ball game. We got to get to practice. And we don't put God in the margin of our schedule. So uh, I love this passage. This is a passage, listen, that convicts me um, that as a pastor I've struggled with. And I thank God that I struggle with this. Uh, Mark chapter 6. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus sends out his disciples two by two. And he says, I want you to go preach. I want you to go heal the sick. I want you to go do ministry. And man, they went out. They came back rejoicing, the Bible says. Came back rejoicing, saying, Lord, people were coming to faith. People were being healed. Even the demons were rebuked when we preached in your name. I mean, how awesome was that? I mean, literally, like revival. In Mark 6, 30 through 32, while they're telling Jesus all the great things that happened, Jesus never once, watch this, never once said, good job. Jesus never once said, wow, that's amazing. Very next words out of Jesus' mouth is, come away with me and let's rest for a while. Mm. And I believe there's such an important message there that Jesus practiced in his own life, and we better practice. No matter how busy we are, no matter if we're on a mountain peak or a valley, getting away from the distractions and having alone time with God is vital to the health of our soul. It's going to take a level of intentionality on your part. You got to be disciplined. I know if you're like like me, you'll think you can just hey, you know, yeah, I don't, I'm not. If you do, try not to be consistent with it because you're like, you know, I may not do it at 5 a.m. this week. I'll do it at 5 p.m. this time. You know what I mean? You just mm-hmm. move it around. Yeah. Just about, I can almost guarantee you, if you're not consistent, if you don't find some uh, in some very intentional pathway to that, you will let it slide. You will let it slide. Every time. And, and it doesn't matter if you're full-time in it ministry. Doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter. Or, you know, just an average Christian who wants to grow in the Lord, but you just let yourself get busy. I mean, it, right? it, it, yeah, because you can do great things. You can be doing things for God, like volunteering or being a pastor mm-hmm. if you're a pastor. Absolutely. You can be doing some great things or do, in your heart doing these great things for the Father. But in the end, you're 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 also sacrificing the one thing that should you fuel that, which is which is time with God Himself. Um, and so, so if we're if we're no if we know we're not full of sin. Mm-hmm. And if we know, uh, or we just don't have that 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 thing in there that's eating at us, so unconfessed, and and maybe hey, maybe we are pretty habitual in our in our in our time with God. Yeah. I mean, that can all happen. What could be something else that would take right. away? Now, from here that? comes an internal question, mm-hmm. and I have to ask myself this too because you know I get up early in the mornings before if I start my day, man. Even as a pastor, there's so many ministry needs. Yeah. To just be alone with God, I mean, I'll be reading scripture, but it's for a sermon, or I'll be counseling somebody, or whatever yeah. it may be. That's not feed my own soul as much. Yeah. So I get up early and I go to the scriptures. And here's what I even have to check myself. All of us need to check ourselves in that moment, even if you are making time for God. So here's the third question here's where you check yourself Am I in this moment pursuing God? It's not, okay, I'm going to spend 15 minutes with God in the Word and in prayer. Okay, 
But if you go into that just as going through the motions and a humdrum attitude, you're probably not going to get a lot out of it. But if you can set your heart to say, in this 15 minutes or in this time that I'm setting aside, I'm actually going to be interested. I'm going to pursue after God whatever Mm -hmm. amount of time I'm given. Right? I mean, I think of the psalmist. It was David that said about the scriptures, he says, he prays, Lord, open my eyes Mm -hmm. that I can behold wondrous truths. Jeremiah 29, uh, I believe it's verse 13 and 14. God says, and you will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. It's almost like God's a romantic almost sometimes. It's like, you know what I mean? I know it sounds Read the Old Testament. He is a romantic. It's putting a very human term to him. But he's like, he loves that pursuit. And guess what? The interesting thing about God is as we pursue him, he in return pursues you. That's the beauty of it. And it's just like this, this... amazing marriage is how he compares everything to as far as our relationship with yeah. him. And it builds this beautiful, intimate marriage between us and the father. And it's, and it's, and if that happens, man, it's really hard to get complacent at that point. It is. Um, we get out of our walk with God mm-hmm. to the depth that we put into our walk with God. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Cause, cause I mean, you're not going to outdo God. The more you pursue him, the more he's going to reveal himself to you. He's not going to let you overdo him. Right. Right. But God never forces himself either. I, I think that's the passion you hear in Psalm 63. In Psalm 63, the psalmist says these words, God, you're my God. I eagerly seek after you. Mm-hmm. And so I think the third question is, all right, I'm spending time alone with God. Am I eagerly, diligently pursuing him? So we've, we've evaluated ourselves, and we're looking and uh, and we're asking God to, to help us with that evaluation, and we're checking for sin, and we're and we're and we're we we we're pretty confident that we we are pretty intentional in our in our times with Him. And hey, let's say uh, we're even um, in doing a fairly good job of of uh, pursuing Him. But mm-hmm. no matter what, we're still in this. We lack some kind of energy. It's like mm-hmm. we we know we can just feel this. This, this burdensome, like gnawing inside of us, mm-hmm. like, man, I'm missing something. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what. So, what would, how could, what could be some very practical steps to help us re energize our walk with Christ? Yeah. First practical step that comes to mind is uh, it, it's so practical that it's almost <laughs> like embarrassing to say. It's like everybody's going to be like, yeah, I know that one already. Uh, yeah, a duh moment. <laughs> but how true it is, I believe the first one is. One we once we realize the the red flags are there, the warning signs. Once we recognize it, we just simply need to internally, and in our heart and our spirit, return to the Lord. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a turning back, and just a uh, just recommitting ourselves afresh to Him, just bowing before Him, being honest with Him, confessing that to Him to the Lord. I'm praying, Lord, I'm in I'm in the word, but I'm just not as passionate as I believe I should be right now. And it's just a returning. Here's how the romantic side of God words it in the book of Revelation, right? Mm-hmm. That you mentioned a moment ago. In Revelation chapter two, verse four through five, when he's talking to the church there, what does he say to them? He says, mm-hmm. Return to me, return because you've lost your first love. Yeah. Who's supposed to be our first love? Yeah, he is. He's to be the desire and the passion of our soul. So the first step for me is just, it's just you got to start by turning. And that's what the word repent means, by the way. Yep. 
It's just turn back around. Right. And so first step. Second one is equally valuable to the first one. I believe we have to remember that this is all about a relationship. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think we get complacent because we get into ritual. Right. Now, you and I have talked on other podcasts. Yep. Fine you line can't. There. Yeah. There's a fine line there because yeah. when you study Judaism um, and the Old Testament, even the practices within the New Testament, you see a lot of ritual mm-hmm. because there's some value there. You know, traditions and repetition, there's value there. Yeah. The danger is, is you can't let your heart get lost in the midst of the ritual. Yeah, ritual versus the mundane. So they, um, so how do you, how do you like? There's a difference between uh, habitual and and what we would call ritual. Yeah. Uh, because the rituals for the Jewish people, for the Jewish mindset, is they were reminders of what you were doing, and so they were just literally that's what they did these things for. They, they, they their hope was and their heart was to point you at the very thing they were supposed to be symbolic of. Yeah. And so it would help. It was more of a refresher and more of an encourager yeah. to keep you fired up and, and, and in love with God versus just ho-hum it through this, these, these mundane uh, uh, methods yes. and just say, you know, that's not, it's not about the method. All right. It's about what it's pointing you to. Right. It's, and I just think we have to remind ourselves that, right? right. Like what you just said, uh, it's a relationship, right? Be ritualistic, be disciplined, do the same pattern every day, but keep your heart in it. Nothing wrong with date night. I mean, you can have it every Thursday night. It could be date night for you and your wife. You could do it for 40 years. And guess what? That's a ritual, but guess a good one because it right. points you to what? To your, when your first love. Because you got to remember it's a relationship. Because it's a relationship. <laughs> and without relationship, there is no intimacy. Without intimacy, there's not much of a relationship. So it's a you know, vicious cycle. That's good. That's a good point. Without intimacy, All right. there's no relationship. So I think the third practical step goes on with that intimacy side of it, and that is when you're feeling complacent, go into your times of prayer, go into your times of worship to the Lord, and always begin with praise. Mm, yep. Always begin with praise, and I will say this, end with praise. Mm. You can pray about anything you need to, but if we, if we look at the model of prayer that Jesus gave, when he taught yep. the disciples, how did he start? Father, holy is your name, or hallowed be your name, right? How did he close? Yep. Yours is the kingdom, power, and glory. Read the Psalms. How many times do you read a Psalm? And whoever the psalmist was is just literally spilling his soul, yep. crying out to God. God, my enemies are everywhere. They've dug holes for me. I'm about to fall in a pit. And sometimes they're straight up whining. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, literally so, just whining. Now, like, when are like, you going to fight my and the battle? the Lord's sitting there going, <laughs> okay, okay, ah. Now you trigger something because you like, but Lord, I love you. You are yeah. the, you are king. You, I am your servant. And whatever you say, I, don't, I know what I, I, I know that I'm whining right now. But Lord, whatever <laughs> comes out of your mouth, whatever's in your word, I will do it. And I believe right. that you will yank me up out of this pit. That's and, so, and that's what I love about reading the Psalms. I think everyone should read the Psalms. <laughs> Because we hear the honesty. You hear the humanity. We hear the complacency at times. You do. How does the psalmist come out of it? In just about every one of those psalms, somewhere before it's over, he turns that that prayer into a praise. Yep. It's almost like they're they're almost like they're bipolar sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) it feels that way, don't it? He just flipped. (laughs) Paul in Philippians 4 6 in the New Testament taught us the same thing. Did he not? Mm -hmm. He says we can pray. 
And we can give supplications, which is just specific prayers. We can pray generally. We can pray very specifically. And this is what he said. But in all of our prayers and supplications, do so with thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. There's something powerful. And if we could get this across to every believer, if you just practice it, I promise you, you'll find this to be true. There's something powerful when you don't feel like praising to start praising. When you feel complacent, force yourself to start worshiping. And I mean truly worship. Scripture teaches in the Psalms, and I know he's speaking to Israel, but there's a principle here. He says he inhabits the praises of his people Israel. There's something that happens inside your soul, when even when you don't feel like it. You discipline yourself and just start counting your blessings and praising God. It lifts you up. It does. And we learn most of that from, as your fourth point is going to be, is 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 from reading the scriptures. Because we're in the middle mm-hmm. this year uh, here at Connection Point Church, this entire year of 2023, is our theme is you know hearing the voice of God. Mm-hmm. And one of the primary ways to hear the voice of God, voice of God is through the through scriptures. scriptures. Um, many times when I find myself complacent and I go into worship and I go into praise, when I open the Bible is when it really changes for me. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I may have not felt anything for days reading the scripture. But when I really get honest before the Lord and I'm aware that I'm complacent, then the scriptures come back to life. And I had a, an experience some time ago with the Lord going through a very stressful season, uh, lost several family members in a short time period uh, within the last couple of years. And one night I just went out on my deck of my house late at night, like 10 o'clock at night, and I'm just being honest with the Lord. I'm, I'm having one of them psalmist mm-hmm. whiny moments, right? And I told the Lord, I, I need to hear from you. And I've never heard an audible voice, but I feel that no, unction of the Spirit inside me. And, and this was so, I literally felt like God said, I'm about to speak to you. And then the very next word, listen, the very next unction I felt in my spirit was, Where's your notebook? <laughs> and I almost got tickled. I chuckled there on my back deck and had to run in the house and grab my notebook. And I felt like the Spirit taught me something that night. Get into God's Word, but don't come empty-handed. Come with a notebook. Mm-hmm. Because if you come expecting God to speak, He's going to yep. speak to you. It wouldn't have done me much good if I couldn't have wrote it down that night because I needed to write it down. You remember. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And then... And then to wrap this all up, um, all of those things you can do uh, on your own. Sure. All right. But there, but there's something powerful mm. about surrounding yourself with a group of like-minded Amen. people, man. Amen. It really can it can re-energize and and generate some mobility in your trajectory toward God. Mm-hmm. Have you ever noticed how Jesus never sent the disciples out in a group smaller than two? That's right. Why was that? There's there's, there's danger is going otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. There's power. Yep. And there's power in our fellowship. Yep. We help each other. Ecclesiastes mm-hmm. four, nine, and ten says two are better than one. And it even talks about if one falls down, we can even look at that in complacency, right? If one falls down, yep. he's better off because a friend's there to pick him up. That's right. Galatians chapter six. Here's how Paul starts out Galatians chapter six. Brothers and sisters. If someone's overtaken in a wrongdoing, there we go. If their complacency is because of sin, even. Yep. He says, You who are spiritual, restore such a, a one with a gentle spirit. 
We need each other. We need our spiritual family. All these other things we talked about, yeah, we can do those on our own. But sometimes the answer to our complacency is because we have isolated ourselves right. from really having a spiritual family. You can even come to church. And in a large church like ours, you can get lost in the crowd. You can. And, and be all alone. you got to engage with other believers. you got to let them be a part of your life and you're a part of theirs. Maybe part of your, your life circle uh, or your – and we, we provide it. Connection Point Church groups is a method which we try to encourage that connection. Yeah. And then you just need to have a friend group that is – that are a group of people that are that you trust, that are part of your your your, your inner your circle. circle. And because and sometimes in those evaluations of ourselves, we aren't honest with ourselves. That's right. I mean, sometimes – We'll think we're this, but somebody from the outside can look at you and go, man, I love you, and I know you feel like you're doing all right, <laughs> but you're off just a little bit. That's right. And That's so right. they can get with you and help you pray. So, yeah, hope through all this that you took something and, 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 and gleaned a little bit. Like, That's right. So if you're going through it or if you're, or if you're uh, getting close to going through a complacent time or, hey, maybe you're just somebody who's been who's chugging right, right along and you need to have a little foresight. So I hope this helps you out because our prayer here, more than anything else, is that you have a life complete, that you have a life on point. And we will see you next time.